Dan, you nominated a midweeker for us. Yeah. What was it? It was a film called Human Traffic. You remember that one? I remember it, and I rewatched it. Oh, you did? Okay. I did, yeah. Were you all in on that? Were there any non-watchers? No, I, I, I watched I've it. seen it plenty of times before, okay. and I rewatched it. Mm. So if people hadn't seen it before, picture the, the Cardiff club scene of the 90s where we've got a group of friends, Jip, Lulu, Coop, Nina and Moff. Jesus. I mean, honestly, there's, Jip. Yeah, there's... Uh, is it, was that, was yeah, that, yes. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. Jip, Lulu, Moff. You're or, not digging the names? No. Oh, okay. okay, well, you know, they're, they're, they're young, they're happening, they've got nicknames and they endure their jobs, which really kind of, you know, working in the Foot Locker or, or working at McDonald's or, or some such thing so they can escape and party on a weekend. There's drink, drugs and sex. They live for the weekends and we join them on like this paranoid, emotional up and down adventure as they go clubbing and just party for the weekend, living without limits as much as they can. I watched this when it first came out without knowing anything about it. It was just one of those films that came on. It, it kind of brought in Danny Dyer. Into well, this was his TV, debut. Yeah, yeah, into our TV. He looked like lives. a little kid in this. Yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> but he was playing Danny Dyer. Yeah. As he has successfully for yeah. the rest of his career. <laughs> he, um, he's, he's actually really good at playing Danny Dyer. He's you, brilliant at it. through all of his films. He perfected it straight yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so he, he did that. You could see that. And back when here, you didn't know Danny Dyer was a prick, especially the first time that you watched it. So it was just He's funny. just a walking meme. The thing, thing is, in in this film, he's actually really endearing. Yeah, like, absolutely. Really, I, really, I, I now sort of remember watching it again. Remember how I felt watching it, and and mm. all I saw was like this this funny character, like little bit lost. Wants to, you know, he's like a small time dealer. He wants to impress his mates. He's you know, he's into the birds without necessarily being having any luck with any birds. Doesn't like your namesake though, does he? No, he calls out Peter Andre. He at one does point. actually. Yeah. yeah, he yeah he he has a real like a really funny sort of skit in the back of a taxi where he's fucked just chatting mints. I don't know about you guys. I've had those conversations in in the backs of taxis what, Travis and stuff. Bickle in the in the cab when you're asking the no, cab driver. Not specifically <laughs> that like topic or whatever, but those kind of like you know charged conversations with a taxi driver chatting absolute mints like he's my absolute best mate. So yeah. it, what's really good about this film, which I, I enjoyed, is how you get to know the characters. You you learn them through these little skits and these you know. This is Moth, this is Jip, this is what they did. This is, and you, you learn a little bit about their lives as they get together on their on their day jobs and then in the evenings. The one with John Sim, who who's in this as well, who's, who's fantastic. He's, yeah. he's getting fucked up the arse, his money's stuffed into his mouth. <laughs> well, there's but... lots of um, sort of voice sort of pieces to camera from each of the individual characters and then they go off on these flights of fancy that sort of exaggerate and they're quite a sort of cynical bunch they're against the sort of corporate structures they're just the chemical generation and they're living for like you said earlier they're living for the weekend they're sort of they've got no work ethic really and you know they're just they're just hedonistic in the moment and that's it and i remember I was at university, but I was absolutely bang into this scene for about two years. So watching it brings it just, back a little bit. Yeah, and you're right. They, if they put in half the amount of effort into their partying as they did into their work lives and things like that, they'd probably have a lot more success and, and things. But they don't give a shit about no. that. It's all No, bullshit. but that's what that part of your absolutely. life is for. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, really, 
you're going to miss out if if you're going to chuck yourself into chuck yourself into a career fully at that age then you're going to miss out on a lot of you're still growing up 19 20 you know late teens early 20s but you're missing out on all this bullshit and the and the fun that they had and then the, the parties yeah. and as this goes through the film we've get into the Friday night and getting ready to go out. All the little stories of can't get well, a ticket, a guy, who's got a ticket, has anybody got, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. The guy who's dropping for the first time, the guy who's met, like the sort of casual acquaintance that's basically become an enemy just it, because you see them everywhere the, and the you have the conversations you, with them that you know you both just want to say look fuck off now this, <laughs> this film honestly I've, and I've said it on on this pod before when I've referenced it I think maybe in the top five or something it's almost like it's basically I lived this film like yeah. for, for a spell was and, your mum a prostitute you used to go and see before you went <laughs> absolutely, out absolutely yeah, yeah that was that's chips uh, yeah it was life. a little bit close to home at times yeah. but <laughs> no but I, I can distinctly remember like that's you know the 90s exactly that living for the weekend I can distinctly remember that individual for me I know who it is and I'll see him every now and again in town and he was that guy that I felt compelled to talk to because he was like a mate of a mate and I didn't really like him, but he was always there. He definitely became my best friend for yeah, an course, evening. Yeah. But after that, it was, you know, not my cup of tea. The story is quite meandering because it is really just the story of a, of a Friday night and a bunch of people. Well, I mean, you've got... It's essentially a love story, though. It is, yeah. So you've got Jip is... Uh, well, he's got erectile dysfunction, Lol. Mm. Got a Mr. Floppy t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I mean... He's taking loads of ecstasy, so of course he can't get, you know, I mean, if you can get it up, it'll stay up forever, but, you know, is this too much? Are you speaking from experience? Yeah, yeah, but, you know, you have to work very hard to get it. But it's more more the the psychological element of it, the fact that, you know, every time there's some really funny... just stop taking ecstasy for a little while. Okay, but there's there's some really, like, funny, like, ways of of dealing with it, you know, it, it flashes back to some, like encounters that he's had there's the really awkward scene yeah. at the beginning with the girl he says oh, i failed the physical with her yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah. he's got a server at the counter with yeah. the fella there but so then, it goes back to all these moments of paranoia as well not just with him but with his friends as well who's got an obsession with guys talking to his girlfriend and yeah. then all these people's insecurities which are probably compounded by the drugs and the way yeah, that they're yeah. living and everything it, it, it's on it's on but the way that the director takes us and to, to watch these moments and, and how he addresses them, I think is really good. And he does it so it's you're laughing. You're well, laughing. I know it's clearly part of the scene. I think, right? I think the it's guy... probably fair to say that this guy is speaking from experience because yeah. he's, I, I didn't know much about this director, but he's Justin in the film. He's, he plays a few parts in the film. He's like one of the guys that goes into the, the shop. record store. Yeah, like it's the for, jungle. Asking for the, for the, you know, have you got any jungle? But well, he says to him, they're all on death row or something. Oh, right. <laughs> is, yeah, it? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. is it? Is <laughs> it? No, that, that's not the director. That it's the guy. little bald guy, it's, isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's, it's the Oh, two, is it? Yeah, for some reason, I don't know, they do it really well they kind of like slide up to yeah. the yeah. up to the counter and ask and i can't remember something like you got any drum and bass in man or, or jungle in man or whatever and then coop said yeah i've got the the tarzan of uh jungle just swung in on the vine this morning and then and then they just have this like it's about 20 30 seconds of like a, right. a chunky jungle tune and he's one of the dancers mm. he, he he's in the club as well later he's in on. the car he's also in the car yeah, yeah so this is a guy, and you can just tell by the look of him. This is a guy who's like it, part of that scene, part of that rave culture, and has and has lived through these through these nights. He's had a million of them himself. And what you were talking about there with the, 
you know, like the the paranoia against the euphoria. Mm. That, I mean, it, it never never a truer sentence than what goes up must come down, mm. which they reference in the film. And it deals with all of those things, like the, like the yin and the yang of the whole experience. It's every cliche experience. on a big party weekend. Well, it's, it's just a really here, accurate, like, slice of 90s, like, youth counterculture. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so amazingly observed that it's instantly, I think, completely dated. Like, I think, you know, it, it, it feels kind of old. Even though I was there, it feels <laughs> like... The, the nights out because I, I still see some of the themes being very relevant but certainly like the clothes the music and things you've got Carl Cox in well, there just the way yeah, they were yeah, talking yeah. to Howard each other Marks yeah. when he comes in at one point which a lot of people With wouldn't know now politics. but at the time Howard Marks was I know he just had his book out and things like that Mr. Nice and mm-hmm. everybody knew who he was and so this would have really hit you know that brick pop kind of time or or just beyond that just after that when all this club culture mm. and and things goes on certainly happening around the same time where all of these cultural references were relevant it would have dated a little bit now because we're 25 years down the line aren't we um but yeah. it was so fiercely of the time as well, like in everything of how yeah. it was done, the attitude behind it all that, you know, yeah, if you're gonna very do very late 90s. That, you know, this is based around the music scene of the time. So if you're going to completely focus on that music, which this does, then you are, it is a time capsule, of course. And the but soundtrack is amazing. It is really good. But this is really Jip's story. Yeah, uh, he is the most fleshed out character in the movie. We, you mentioned it before, but he takes a trip back to see his mum because he doesn't want to see her the day after going out. She's got a gentleman caller upstairs. It's fucking really barren. Yeah. She, like, without being blunt, she's an older lady, but she's still having to... Um, Turn a trick. To d- d- do a few tricks. And she pops down to see him and she says, she says just hang around. I've, I've got someone upstairs. It'll only be five minutes. And you think, oh, oh man. <laughs> and then she says... Um, Help yourself to some chocolates. Obviously, this guy's brought around. You're like, oh, man, this is just like too a much. Like shaped yeah. box of yeah. chocolates. So he does a runner. <laughs> Um, I think, you know, it it also sort of towards the end with like Moff and his parents, it also has the snapshot of this, the, the, you know, as, as will be the same in every generation, like the parents kind of misunderstanding of that culture, like the the dad's going on about how they're all like, they're they're all like junkie, deadbeat, Mm, mm. like scumbag assholes when, when actually it's, it's kind of fairly not mainstream. There is, it's still sort of, because obviously it's like illegal recreational drugs and so on, but there was a lot of people involved in that scene and still to this day. And it wasn't about being scumbags or being deadbeats or drop. It's, it's about exploration and, and finding yourself and going through a journey of, you know, of, of having great nights and dealing with the fallouts from yeah. them so that you can find a bit of a rhythm in terms of your personality and where you want to go in life. It's the sort of thing that, you know, we're all dads we obviously don't want our kids to 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 do things that are going to put themselves in in significant danger so there's there's this difficult difficulty in sort of like endorsing the message or whatever in this film but it's certainly something that you want your your kids they're going to grow up grow up and 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 the more you demonize all of these things the more that they'll probably be tempted to go out and 
tried just what Danny Dyer's character did his dad was a copper I think wasn't yeah. he in this yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and he's got going out and he's actually becomes the dealer of the group doesn't mm. he he's yeah. the one that is able to get but he's not really a he's not a dealer no, he, he's, he's a small and he's sorting out yeah, his mates yeah, yeah. he's somebody that sorts out his mates yeah. but he doesn't he's the one that doesn't have a job He's uh, he doesn't have a job, so he makes his pennies for his tickets for the weekend and stuff by ducking and diving. yeah, knock, knocking yeah. out a bit of weed or whatever. But he's also interestingly the one that at the end of the film is having that iconic kind of like I'm never doing this again because obviously at that point it is you know his come down's fully down. kicked in, so he's never doing it again. He, he's broken. He's in little pieces and yeah. I like the scene where him and his sort of mate that he's just I've probably just met at that party. They're discussing Star Wars. Yeah, and he, oh, he I've got it. He says this line about the, you know the dark side is about I can't remember. The outer it's like, galaxy is, is, is the, Yoda, yeah, Yoda's conquering outer space. Yeah, whereas Yoda exploring his inner space, it, it, and then he just goes, oh, <laughs> like he's had this epiphany about Star Wars, and his mind is completely blown. He's he's good in this. He you know he's brilliant. He's never played any other character since, but. You know, I did uh, enjoy him in this. The exchange that Andrew Lincoln, who's yeah. the annoying mate, has yeah. with somebody else. With, yeah. They're both coming up on pills and he walks over and one of them says, oh, safe as fuck. And he says, what's your name at the same time? And then <laughs> they're just off. On two, they're having a conversation, but they're going you in two safe complete, as fuck. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then they're just in two completely different directions. It's really well observed like that. This was strange watching this movie for me because I was so much a part of that culture, but... The movie itself is, there's not a lot of like character development, particularly over the course of it, or there's not huge emotional you things. Say it though, because I and did I, read, I've, sorry, that they're going to be thinking of a sequel coming up to this. So I those same be interesting. characters. He says he's got it ready to go, yeah. but I don't know that it'll ever happen. Right. They did, they did a rehash version of it. I think it was called Human Traffic Remixed, but... He had nothing to do with it, and the stars, or, or well, John Sim especially, turned his back, said he would have nothing to do with it. There was some extra footage that they added in and changed things. Right, around. okay. Um, now, so I, from what I read, he wants to do it uh, again properly with the revisiting the same characters, same actors, but years down the line. So maybe a little bit. He didn't make a penny out of this, though. That's probably part of the reason why he wants to do the sequel. Is he probably feels owed a few it, quid. Oh, out of really? It. Yeah, didn't, I think there was a bit anything. of balls up, and he signed some rights over, and it was a bit of a fuck up. So. Whilst mm. it was fairly successful, it wasn't for him personally. They remade this, this it didn't a... they, for the Americans as well. I oh, did think. they? I think so. Yeah. Well, well they, the American, they... like, so so a total American remake. No, this, but they some of the slang terms that yeah. they just over they just had to dub the it because they just wouldn't get they just and, wouldn't and stuff. Yeah. I don't think any of it would really fly in America particularly. Yeah. Well, it was so British. Wasn't well, it? I, re- I remember what, what you said about train spotting in the iconic poster. Yeah, this is exactly the same. Yeah. The, you know, human traffic posters like the you immediately think of the the, the case like the the either the case. I, I had the soundtrack on yeah. CD. I, I probably I've never really owned many DVDs in my life, but this was one that I did own. So you immediately think of like the front cover or the poster as like a, an iconic 90s mm. British film, yeah. Mm. And the soundtrack is really good. You've got CJ Bolland on there. You've got Fatboy Slim, Build It Up, Tear It Down from the brilliant You've Come A Long Way Baby, which had right here, right now, Rockefeller Skank Gangster Tripping and Praise You All on the same album, which is pretty good at the time. Uh, you've got Jack Knife Lee, you've got Public Enemy in this, you've got Dillinger, Andy C, Death in Vegas, Underworld, Primal Scream, Future Sound of London, Off the Dead Cities album. It's just unbelievable soundtrack i've been yeah. listening to it all week it's not the house scene that they were particularly part of wasn't actually the one that I, I was more into drum and bass back in these days i think you'll find that so 
I had these mental I, baggy trousers. I always have it. You know, like the 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 nineties. You know, was like sweet. What the trousers? Yeah. They were fucking enormous. Like, <laughs> and I had like these spikes in my hair and these fucking like goggles like welders what a prick yeah. honestly what a what total a prick yeah no i never prick. i never like look that much of a prick yeah. but i do i do and i said this i said this before in referencing this film if anybody you know who's, who's sort of like you know oh what what was everything what was it like when when sort of you were 20 or something i would go yeah. just go and watch, watch the film that. human traffic and then that's that's literally it likable characters yeah very much so i think coop we said everyone hate their job i think coop was actually on a mm on a winner with his job he enjoyed his job he was a vinyl hustler he was yeah. just like doing it he had obviously ambitions to be a DJ but he was shite mm. he, he, was, he says just loves the fantasy yeah they do a whole scene where he says you can't consider yourself a DJ unless you can scratch and yeah. then he's doing it looks like he's doing all this mental scratching and all this yeah. stuff yeah. and then it just <laughs> it reveals he's just playing a record so, yeah um yeah, yeah, you can't do nice it. And th- you know, there are there are countless other scenes that will give you a laugh here. Moff mm. gets caught wanking, doesn't he? Yeah. Cameos as well. Pete Tong, Carl Cox. Yeah. Carl, I need to say Carl Marx. Howard Marx, like you said before. <laughs> Joe Brand in it as well, yeah. yeah. There, yeah, there was, was a bit of language, you know, for anybody considering showing this to their kids. Um, <laughs> they might want to... It's not might, a kid's film. No, it's not a kid's film. You so shouldn't, I mean, the, dr- the drug reference really. is probably yeah, not great for the kids either. There's 174 fucks and cunts in it counted them so That's you know more than it, it really room. captures that kind of that f- that feeling of like alienation from another generation because yeah. it's just us in this time young yeah. people understanding this culture and it really captures that moment okay but loving it when it came out and watching it now you still you're still down with it well i i enjoyed it as a film but i found it quite abrasive in many ways like the characters are quite you know, their attitude is a bit like, oh, fucking shut up about banging on about your drugs and going out on the, you know, just shut up. It's really not that important. I enjoyed it, but all your relationships really like superficial. Nobody develops over it. So, and I look back at that point in my life and I think that was a fairly superficial point of my life where I did just indulge in in stuff and didn't do anything else. And, and it's right. It's the right time. You know, it was like when they showed the Bill Hicks bit and he's like, oh, yeah, guy yeah, did yeah. drugs and had fun. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's yeah, like exactly that, that was what it was exactly for a bit. Right. Yeah. 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 It, it still stood up for me. This there was still plenty enough to make me laugh. I, you know, of course, any film that's 20, 25 years down the line, and you've seen those actors in other things as well. It, there's a little bit of something weird when watching it back, but no, I, I, I still laughed at this, and I, I would still, as Pete said, if you're wondering, maybe what bad dads and and people of our generation were getting up to when they're 20 this isn't far off the mark yeah for me i've watched this countless times and i'll watch it again at some point i'm not going to watch it again now Mm. for a good few years or whatever probably would be the sort of thing that when you know the the kids are older you know and they say if they ever come to me and say oh what sort of you know what film would you recommend from like back in the 90s or whatever it'll sound (laughs) that will be like 50 years ago i might feel a bit embarrassed though to put that on because it's so I guess with daughters it's it's, it's like, different oh, like it's a bit cringy I did enjoy revisiting it and it is a funny film but it's cringing looking back and going god I was so, like because I was it just was a like bit that. too I'd honest be, yeah. yeah that's it you know if uh, I if I were you I'd be more cringy about like the the horns and the goggles yeah. that you were talking about like, <laughs> yeah. that, that's worse than anything in this film <laughs> I 
it's a yeah, it's a weird one because I wasn't part of the scene at all. I didn't like the music. I wasn't part of it. I was just into guitars and stuff like that. So yet weirdly, I still really enjoyed the film then, and I enjoyed w- watching it again now. Probably a glimpse into stuff that I probably missed out on when I was younger. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Some of it. I don't really like all the to camera stuff, especially mm. when they sing to the camera. I found that fucking really Oh, the yeah. national anthem yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like, I could live without that. But yeah. the rest of it, yeah, I was into it. It's good. Yeah. <laughs>